Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery. Code Wondery. Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 423. Uh, on Comedy Central starting on October 21st after Colbert at midnight, Monday through Thursdays. Um, that's my show. That's a new show that I got. It's uh, sort of a fake game show that uh, where comedians come on and we uh, make fun of the shit that we found on social media in a fake game show format. It's a it's a game show in the sense that they are competing, but it's it's sort of fake in the sense that it's not like Price is Right, where people are competing for fabulous prizes. They're competing for the preservation of their own egos, which is a much more valuable prize to a comedian than a dinette set. So that's at midnight, starting October 21st. After Gobert, please uh, give it a shot. This episode of the podcast is uh, Marky Ramon and Andrew W.K., who have been touring together. Sure are. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Chris. Where'd you come from? I was hiding over in the corner. In my dreams. Yeah. And now I'm going to get into your car since I left your dreams. Beep, beep. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Ocean. Yeah. I found out very big in England still. Really? That's what I hear. Oh. Sirius XM doesn't lie. That gives me hope for society. But we're not here to talk about a Billy Ocean concert at the Fonda Theater tonight, we October sure 15th. We're here to talk about Marky Ramone's Blitzkrieg. Which is essentially where uh, Marky Ramone has Andrew W.K. And they're doing, what was it, like 35 Ramone songs yeah. or something like that? just in a row. That's at the Fonda Theater. Uh, so if you go to FondaTheater.com, then uh, you can get tickets for that. And you should go do that because uh, I, that's I, insane. That's, that's going to be an insane show. Yeah, that's, that's head exploding. That's two awesome things crashing into each other into headbanging goodness. And so uh, we, uh, we did the podcast with them yesterday. We recorded this kind of early in the morning. Uh, and and it, one, of, one of the things I love about doing the podcast is just the turns that happen in a show where you because we just don't know where the conversation is going to go, and then you just start peeling back layers and and uh, I don't know I'm sort of a yeah, I don't mind sounding pretentious for a half a second um, and sort of a student of humanity Kyle and it's sort of fun to because you know I haven't figured shit out yet and it's kind of fun to dissect uh, people in in the sense of figure out how they how they do things and why they do that things. got it got deep it got deep and super fun. super deep like a deep party oh yeah. Like a philosophical party. Yeah. Just like philosophers, but partying. and Maybe we should stop talking about it now. I can't help it. It's the after show in me. <laughs> oh, so many after shows. I got to break shit down. After we stop this, you're, we're going to talk about something and we got to break it down just to scratch that itch for me. Oh, I like it. I really appreciate that. Here's the Nerds Podcast, episode number 423 with Marky Ramon and Andrew W.K. Party! Now entering Nerdist.com.
guys came in very early this morning. We're punctual. There you go. <laughs> we appreciate it. Ah, thank you. How are you doing? We're doing very well. Good. Is your, how's your voice? It's doing fine. How's yours? It is okay. Okay. Yes, sir. Well, we've covered that. All right. <laughs> what do you guys do? You're, you're doing a show tomorrow night? Yeah. Uh, we're at the Ford Theater. Uh, Henry F- and the, Fonda. Henry, Theater. It's the Fonda Theater. Music Box, yeah. Henry Fonda. Music Box. Whatever they call it this week. Yeah. <laughs> it seems it's changed like a few yeah. times in the past decade. I think it's Fonda, Henry Fonda, and the other things. Yes. I wonder if it's family related, though. Oh. You know, Fonda, Henry Fonda, you know. How many Fondas are there? Well, there's huh? Jane, Peter, right? Yeah. Henry. Henry. And well, then that's it. There's no one else in the family. I think it's just those I'm three. I'm not sure. Maybe it's probably like grand, grandkids. Right. So what's the show? What's the show that you guys are, are you guys doing? Are doing you... 35 classic Ramon songs. 35? Yep. And uh, it's been going great all over the world. That's Good. great. Russia, China, uh, Europe, South America, France, you know, Germany, Spain, and all that stuff. And New York City, we just uh, did really well, Irving Plaza and... And now we're here. Who has the best audiences country-wise and who has the, well, they seem to be enjoying the show, but they're just kind of polite. They're all different. Japan. (laughs) (laughs) They're very polite. They're very polite. (laughs) Japan, definitely. Every country's different. You know, uh, the way they react. You know, the, the way their traditions are and everything. I remember uh, watching, like, a concert footage growing up of just every show in, it seemed like, Europe. Like, it's like they end up, they, they stomp a lot or they just clap a lot. Like, uh, in, in Europe? Houston. Yeah. Uh, well, they like to the slam dance. They, yeah. You know, they're, they're into that, you know, stuff. You yeah. Know, spitting, the slam dancing. But, uh, hey, that's their way of showing appreciation. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's got, and that, I wonder if that will end up kind of like losing some of its you know because of the internet everyone being aware of what everyone else is doing where you know it's it's uh it's like you know when you would go to different areas like you would see the different types of like punk or the different types of rock and the type of like, oh, yeah. influence it had and it's like oh well you know there used to be that thing where it's like oh la guys they dance like this or like chicago guys it's all different yeah all yeah. different and i wonder if that like as we continue to kind of like be aware of what everyone else is doing if that's gonna everything's gonna start evening out across the world it all gets generalized yeah is this begun yes oh this, okay we started, eh? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i wasn't sure if, we, if there was a By the way, formal that, uh, that is not an uncommon question okay no, no, it's very uh that's you know, good casual to just uh, casual. stumble like into it right in yeah we're yeah, lucy yeah. we're lucy Goosey. so how long was it recording before you guys got here <laughs> okay okay <laughs> no just the last couple minutes all right all right <clears throat> why did you <laughs> you no, that? I was just curious. I, I mean, uh, I, I've been on, you know, you never know how uh, someone produces the program. Sometimes they there's an official introduction or a start. and sometimes We are unfortunately, and maybe this is not so great for the guests, we are horrendously understructured. We literally, we sit down, we, we have a conversation. You know, the conversation goes for a little while, and then when I it mean, should we explain who's here or who's on the well, show? Everyone knows well, that'll happen. You'll do an yeah, intro. Yeah, we'll do. We'll do. We'll oh, tackle okay. an intro, and I'll say Andrew WK's here, Mark Ramon's oh, here, no, and then you never know. And then here's the show that they're doing, and then it just sort of it fades up with us just mid conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're just chatting, and I'm pretty sure they're going to be able to tell the difference in your voices. Yes, <laughs> the Marky, Marky, can't Marky hide sounds the, exactly like Marky Ramon. Can't hide the yeah. Brooklyn accent. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm always, but but I, I want I want to try to learn from you how to not blow out my voice because you manage to not blow out your voice and there must be something there must be are there exercises? Uh, yeah, warming up is good and and you know obviously early in the morning before you've spoken a lot 
you're going to sound a little different than you would later in the day. So it, uh, it always helps to just, uh, you know, the worst thing for me is is sleeping right before a show and then going right on stage. I think just being awake and active is, is helpful, but I wouldn't, uh, actually would ask you for advice really more because you use your, your voice in all these different ways, you know, beyond uh, one particular delivery. Like I'm usually just singing or screaming, you know, sort of at a full tilt. There's also just speaking and then doing you know, more nuanced voices for a character or something like that. And then obviously a podcast would be different from television or maybe not. Uh, I, I would actually like to know your approach. <laughs> I don't have one. It's bad. Well, I, it's working then. Ta- talking, talking is the worst thing you can do for your voice. Basically, talking is the worst. Okay. And so that is, that is what I do. Like if you, especially if you have to sing at a show, you really shouldn't talk at all during, during the day. You wow. kind of just want one or the other. I, I, I just goggle. <laughs> With coffee, I just goggle. Any any liquid. I uh, I saw um, uh, George Carlin once, and like he lost his place in a show, and then like um, took a sip of his drink. That was it was just this big thing of like just brown stuff, and then <clears throat> some guy went like woo, and he was he was like no fuck you, it's not it's not booze, and then uh, like uh, he explained that. He was once talking. He was having trouble like uh, doing you know shows after you know two a night, two a night for a long time. That he was losing his voice, and he talked to an opera singer who says, "Oh, you need room temperature uh, flat Coca Cola." He huh. says like something about like just you just drink that, and like it's kind of a temporary fix where just kind of the uh, you know the the syrup or the you know sugar just kind of coats your vocal cords and kind of heals really? them temporarily. Yeah. Oh, yeah. apple cider vinegar. Really? We yes. were talking about vinegar. Yeah, that's nice, last dude. Night. Apple, apple, gnarly, apple cider vinegar unfiltered. That shit will fit. Like if you're starting to get a cold or whatever, it also cures uh, acid reflux. Yeah, it's fantastic. And why is that? Because it seems so acidic. That yeah, point. it seems like the opposite thing. If I had you know that feeling of bile reaching up the back of my throat, I would never think, oh, drink a bunch of vinegar, then I'll feel better. But you're saying it neutralizes acid even more than dairy or calcium. It does. Oh. I'm, I'm going to say something the internet's probably going to correct me on, but I believe vinegar is alkaline. Is that is that correct? Anyone? Good. Uh, probably. Let's go probably. with that. It might it not be is. scientifically accurate, but let's just say that you can't argue with results. Well, maybe it's you reach a tipping point where it's so acidic that your body can't get any more acidic, so you kind of pop the other way. Like, you know, if someone is hyperactive, they'll take speed basically and it calms them down yeah so maybe the body if you just max out the acid it's like throat speed there you yeah. go. it's basically like throat speed <laughs> i did see a dude that do sense. that once i did see a dude uh, smoke speed and then curl up for a nap and it was the way where did you see that on my couch smoke speed on your couch because i was in san pedro uh, <laughs> okay story. that's what it was or else yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what it was okay yeah. that's all you had to say yeah i yeah, no, just but like uh, he like brought out his pipe smoked it and then like 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 a little kid just kind of smelling anytime you tell a story like that i'll just parenthetically assume one time in san pedro yes and I always like, assume. <laughs> if it's speed of san pedro if it's coke it's hollywood if it's when you heroin, see that yeah. sign on the highway you're gonna think yeah. about that yeah, yeah every time situation <laughs> 110 south mm, speed. speed sp that's yeah, good. that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's speed. That's right. Speed up and have a nap. Speedro. That's yeah. what they call it down there. Yeah, they should, on the signs should say, uh, if you lived here, you'd already be high by now. <laughs> you look and you have a Minuteman tattoo. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so how, how's the tour? Like, is it, what, how's, how has it been received so far? Is it, are, are people Do people naturally assume, like, oh, you guys are going to be performing together? Or is it, is it pretty cool? I don't know. It's been great. I mean... Uh, 
the, the it's it definitely bridges a generation gap. You have all the the older older Ramones fans, and you have the young ones that are seventeen to twenty, twenty one. So uh, they weren't around when we retired, but they want to hear the songs. So we uh, we're playing them thirty five, and uh, he he his delivery is great, and uh, the music is still the way it should be, and uh, this is the result. This yeah. is what we've been doing. So those kids, like, so Adios Amigos came out in 97? Yep. Seven. And they were six. about maybe five, four or five years old. Yeah. But that's the, that's, you know, that's the thing about, like, um, that I've always enjoyed about, like, like, like punk in general. It's like, it's uh, when you kind of get into it, you ha- there's all these prerequisite albums that you end up, like, there's, you know, the, if you find the proper guy at the record store, it's like he goes, oh, you like, you got into punk? Well, what's a record store? Yeah. <laughs> when you go to your favorite Spotify playlist guy or something. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> you go to your favorite suggestion bot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, like, there's that thing that happens where it's like, uh, it's like, oh, you, know, you like this? Well, then you need to check out this. And it's always like, you right. know, like the Ramones or the Misfits or the, you know, or, and then as they continue, you go, and then it turned into, you know, Black Flag and my, and it's like, it's, it's a neat little, like, quick history. And that's why I think. The, you mean the Misfits with Danzig? Well, yes, with dancing. No, 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 no. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the album they put out last year. Not that. Yeah. No, God, please. <laughs> no, it's either got to be with, with Danzig or Michael Graves or there's no misfits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember I tweeted something like, like I saw, because the misfits came to Hawaii. Well, the misfits came to Hawaii in 98. Uh, uh, that's where I'm from. Uh, and That was the third incarnation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and like I said, like, oh, when I saw, and like some guy on Twitter just probably 10 tweets at me deep going how dare you say you saw the misfits you didn't see it's not the misfits without right. and exactly. i was like i was like but I, yeah but i was a kid and and it was really exciting right. so i'm sorry yeah, i didn't yeah. bring any because it's of, in hawaii yeah and no yeah. one comes to you no one comes to hawaii it's nice well they go well they everyone's gone there because of elvis yeah yeah exactly live and in hawaii you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's rare. Was this uh, was this daunting for you, or was it exciting, or how do you how do you uh, approach this? Definitely a, a, a both. Uh, very very exciting, and that was the main feeling, and obviously uh, my motivation for for wanting to be part of it. But I was also very intimidated and very nervous, and uh, just also just wondered if physically I'd be able to play that many songs and and do it uh, at the level that. I knew it should be done, and it's very intense music to begin with, and then to do it live. Um, you know, I've never really sung for any other bands except my my own music, and even then, I would never thought of myself as a singer. I just had to. Uh, that was sort of the the task that I needed to accomplish to to make the music I wanted to make. Someone had to sing it. But uh, when Marky Ramone asks you to do something, you know, and, and invites <laughs> you, there was never also there was never any debate in my mind. I just had to figure out some way to rise to the occasion, and I'm extremely, uh, extremely thankful that he, he gave me the chance to do it. And, and the, the best part is, the music is so good that it 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 pulls you up to a higher level. You know, uh, I usually lower things by my association. <laughs> the music, in this case, it pulls you know it pulls everybody up. It, it makes us possible. Yeah. Uh, do you really think that capable? Do you really think that you lowered stuff, or are you just... Oh, absolutely. Like, no, really? No, why, I, do you well, say, why would you say that? Well, I mean, it's. I feel like a lot of times, uh, like, for example, on this podcast, I'm now lowering the standard <laughs> of the podcast, but for me, I'm being that, elevated, being, you know... Um, <laughs> that's not true. This is a show. Come on. No, but it, it, I always just feel like, wow, of all the people that get the chance to do this, why me? And I feel like I'm representing a lot of people's dreams in, you know, getting to sing with Marky, for example, or getting to do anything that we get to do, and, and it, it tries to, uh, you know, it keeps you... Very thankful, but also very, you know, aware that this is a one in a million chance, you know, and don't blow it. 
and uh, it's a good way to feel. I mean, it helps me uh, do my best. Thank you. <laughs> how much? How much of you? When so when you're approaching when you're approaching, uh, you know, to, to do these songs, essentially cover these songs. Are, are you looking at it as how much do you want to try to keep the sound the way that it was originally versus, well, you want to kind of bring something of yourself to it as well. Like, well, that's you, what he does. How do you find that balance? That's what he does. Uh, I didn't want to, uh, any clones. So Andrew delivers his uh, v- vocals the way, the way he is. He doesn't, uh, you know, he's not trying to copy Joey. I mean, everyone's different. No one is not going to be another Joey. So Andrew does it his way. That's that's what I wanted, and uh, he definitely engages the audience really well, and that's important. That's great. And again, the music is so strong and so demanding. It's almost like saying, "Okay, I'm going to sprint as fast as I can. Now, should I sprint in this style, or should I try to emulate this person's style?" When you're giving all that you have, it kind of just happens how it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't really make a choice of how to go all out. Like if you're going to go all out, it's just going to emerge in a very primal way and then again the songs kind of take care of it if i just try to sing the best i can you know what happens happens really i mean i don't think i could try to sing it any other way uh it's it, it just takes everything you have and then what you're left with is hopefully enjoyable definitely <laughs> is it sort of nice for you in the sense of you know i i don't know does there feel like i don't want to say closure but because it's not over but does it sort of feel like you know, wow! I get to do these songs again, and it feels really good being up here. Does it like wh- what's what is the experience like for you? Well, I, I like to see uh, the uh, generation gap uh, come together. You have the older fans and the younger fans, and it's it, that's what this music does. It's the musical content, the, the lyrical content, and it's the uh, the energy level of the songs, which which youth can relate to. So uh, that's what we're getting. And I enjoy it because uh, I want to keep the music alive, and I feel the songs are too good not to be played. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, the younger generation that uh, again didn't see the Ramones the first time, at least they're hearing the music properly, and uh, and it's 2013. Yeah. So it's a whole new new generation. Are you doing? Uh, are you, are the sets the same, or it's like just the like like you know one, one two three ends, four. One, two, three, four. Very yeah. quick, no talking about the weather or your grandmother. Or yeah. <laughs> you know. Which he's known for. <laughs> right. No, it's straight through, uh, and, and, you know, that, that's uh, the way. Yeah. Is, 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 does the pinhead make an appearance? Oh, uh, no, we, we're not, we're not going to re- rely on visuals like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. But, it's just uh, about the music. But, you know, one guy came on stage, and he had the, the uh, pinhead on and the outfit, and it's like, okay, go do your thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he, then he just uh, got off the stage and said goodbye. Oh, that's, that's very polite. <laughs> I mean, that, that was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, you know, no, no in-depth conversation about anything, but just uh, bye. See you. Thank you for letting me be the pinhead. See, you. <laughs> and he runs off. You know, never to be very seen. Professional. Yeah, professional very, very, yeah. very professional. Well, there's something about like uh, you know. It, it, if music is written to try to catch a trend, then obviously it kind of dies with the times. But if, there, if but if music is written purely about an emotional experience of a certain, you know, like whatever someone's going, I just feel like that's every generation is going to catch that because a whole new generation of young people are going to hear that and be like, oh fuck, I identify with that because yeah. that's that's how I feel, and it sort of you know breaks the mold of everything yeah. You know, else. it's like people don't change; technology does. You know, uh, people confront the same situations in life. Uh, you know the siblings, school, uh, what they're going to do in, in, in their future, 
uh, boyfriend, girlfriend stuff and all that. So, I mean, the lyrical content basically compared to then to now is the same. Yeah. But now everyone has a cell phone. <laughs> oh, my God. It must be... A- are, are the shows just lit up like lanterns? Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. No I one can mean, see where they're going. I mean, you're, you're watching a show out of a little screen like that where you have the option to watch it normally. And like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. Why, get it. why pay to go to a show yeah, if you're going to put your face on your phone? It's just very strange. I feel they, the same way, yeah. Like, uh, like being at like a Hollywood Bowl show. And like, uh, it's like if you're the whole part, thing. Yeah, but like I find myself, my eyes going towards the screen. <laughs> and I go, what's the fucking point then? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> the, the little thing like that, and you got this beautiful big stage. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess, you know, a lot of people just want, want, want it, you know, to remember... I you guess, know, but I just, the moment. Yeah, know. I think I think the live tweet is sort of a the death of of, of good. You know, it's like y- y- can you just experience a thing without having to put your face down and say something every two seconds? And I yeah, say this to someone who's on Twitter a lot. And I I think I think eventually what'll happen is people will um, will start embracing the idea of like you know you'll start seeing advertisements as like no technology at the show. Like you have to leave your phone <laughs> uh, you and know, just focus on the show. I'm at an you know I, obviously I fly like you're at, at airports. People taking photos of you and they think you don't know they're doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, you know, looking up. And I, say, I go up to the guy and go, look, why don't you take, get someone to take a photo of us together? Wouldn't you like you to be in the photo? I mean, obviously, you know who I am. Let's do that together. Uh, okay. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you don't have to be a sneak. Yeah. You know, you know, it's an invasion of privacy, really. Well, I guess in that case, yeah, it is kind you know, of. I mean, I, I mean, I'll sign autographs, take photos, but tell me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So. Andrew, I have a question for you. All right. How much of your so people must have an idea of, of who they think you are because of who you, who they see on stage. Is that is that you off stage? Is there or or did you have a little private piece that's like you know what what's what's the difference between the two? Do you really get wet? <laughs> well, definitely. I mean, oh, definitely. Very sweaty. Uh, it takes a lot of physical effort uh, to do anything. You know, uh, these days, I guess. So there's different skills you call upon for different levels of effort and different tasks. And, uh, for example, right now, I, I could try to sing my answer or scream it or, or run around while doing so and headbanging. And it might be fun uh, for, you, for the folks in the room. Since there's no cameras, no one would actually be able to appreciate it beyond the room. But, you know, just like if I call my mom, I'm going to have a different, uh, I guess, end result I'm hoping to accomplish from that task. And we'll use the skills of trying to sound as uh, sweet and uh, sober to her as possible. <laughs> and then there's other moments when, uh, you know, I, I draw upon different skills. So I don't think there's any real person or real personality. Uh, it's just different times and different ways of behaving at, for different moments, you know? I guess, but I just think of like, uh, you know, I think of like Chuck Norris and how Chuck Norris had to go around with a bodyguard because people were always like, I could kick that guy's ass. Right. You know what right. I mean? It's wow. like when people wow. see you as like, oh, well, he's the party yeah. guy and he does this and he's a rock guy. You know, like they think that that you're in that mode all the time. Well, I absolutely am. I mean, there's just, it's just different, <laughs> different, different applications for it. I, I mean, the, the state of mind is to be glad you're not dead. Yeah, that's true. Basically, that's, that's to me the party's mindset is yep. to celebrate the fact that we're here at all. And then just, you know, there's many different ways to use that opportunity, and there's many different kinds of energy that it can conjure up. Uh, but fortunately, you know, the vibe that, that we put out, that Marky puts out, that, that all of our efforts that, that you guys put out, it's a good vibe. And so most people that we interact with are just friendly and 
cheerful and, and have a good vibe as well. Well, most of them. I think. Uh, uh, are you still doing motivational speaking? Uh, yeah, well, lectures and things. Yeah, that's really. Cool. I really. That, I, that's probably one of my favorite things. That because it when uh, when I heard that you were doing that, I, I kind of thought, well, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, in a sense. Music is a kind of a, is sort of a form of motivational speaking. Absolutely, yeah. The feeling that you want to get, um, the feeling that I get from it was uplifting and, and cheerful. But I also realized that uh, I guess almost through doing more interviews like like this and talking, that just conversation can sometimes conjure up those same types of I don't know feelings of possibility, of inspiration, of motivation. You know, again, just to be aware that you're not dead. And there are people, believe it or not. I know it's hard for us to imagine that don't listen to loud music or don't get a good feeling at all from music, really. They have no connection, but they might get it from reading or they might get it like from a conversation. So I'd meet people that said they saw some interview or read something that connected with them, and I figured, well, why should they be left out of the party? We can uh, you know, get through to them and get them a good feeling you know, through some other means. So my main goal is to get that kind of energetic feeling also for myself. you know, I want to be cheered up and motivated and feel good so uh try to spread it around as many different ways as possible and so what is the what is the underlying theme of the like what do you what do you want to motivate people to do is it to do things or feel things or or have a better life or what is it that you want i don't know it's more mainly just to to hang out and talk and party uh that (laughs) and most people seem to enjoy that uh, as much as i do so well it's like you know if if i can do it you can do yeah (laughs) that's true you know what i mean that's true i mean my life uh is proof that dreams can come true and that very unlikely adventures can take place. Yeah, it's the film, uh, the movie uh, The Edge with uh, Alec Baldwin and oh, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins yeah. Where uh, he says all the way throughout the movie, what one man can do, another man can do. Is that, um, <laughs> is that where they're in the prison or something? No, they're in the woods. Oh, okay. Which is like an outdoor here. prison <laughs> uh, without walls. prison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Set of bars. And there was a bear, which they also have in prison. <laughs> bear. Uh, <laughs> you gotta have the bear. <laughs> yeah. But it's just the idea. Stayful. I mean, that that is absolutely true. And when, when you know, when people say like, "How do you do what you do?" Like, I don't know. I figured it out. Anyone can do it. You know, like you just you just create a certain set of circumstances, and you know, get a little bit of luck, and you could you could do it too. How well, okay. anyone can do what they want, to, what they're meant to do. You yeah. Know? And that, figuring that out and having it align with your desires is maybe the harder part of believing that it's possible, but. You know, I would never tell someone to do exactly what I do or do anything that someone else is doing, but to do what they really want. And, uh, you know, finding out what that is can even be the most complicated part of all. I think so much has been set up, I don't know, by, by bad influences, but just influences in society and life in general to tell us that you would never even occur to you to think about wanting to do anything, you know, beyond survive. But, you know, we're very lucky in, in, in this day and age and for most of us to have a lot of the, the, the crucial aspects of life taken care of to some degree so then we can indulge in, you know, things beyond food and shelter, basically. Yeah, well, people definitely have this sort of... Um, it's almost like a uh, this internal director monologue that where they go, oh, I'd want to do this, and it goes, oh, you can't do that. And they go, okay, I guess I can't do that. Right. Not realizing that you don't have to listen to that, but I think it's important to remind people that you can ask your brain questions. If your brain says, no, you can't do that, then you can go, why couldn't I do that? Or how could I do that? Hopefully you're just, you know, you're propelled or, or, or drawn or pulled towards something that makes you feel good and just have the courage to actually do it, you know, more than once. Yeah. You know, do it over and over and over again. But even if you get to do it once, that's better than none. Just uh, never assume that it's not possible because 
you know, we've seen too many examples of, of very unlikely dreams coming true and very unlikely adventures taking place uh, to believe that it's not possible. It absolutely is. In fact, that's the way the world is set up to work. I think it's just uh, it's so hard to, you know, fully fathom it. Well, a lot of times people can't get out of their own fucking way. <laughs> like yeah. you can't you cannot get out of your own way to do the things that you think that you that you want to do. It's tricky. Well, you know, it all stems back to also to grandma and grandpa and uh, mother and father. My son, the doctor, the lawyer, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Can't do anything else, just that, you know? Yeah. So it's because it's been ingrained in society. Yeah. How did, yeah. You, how did you get the, uh, the wherewithal to think you could do, do what you're doing? Like I, I just didn't listen to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you look at them and, and, and you go, why are they telling me this, you know? So it's, it's up to the individual. Was there a time when you realized that you were going to live this way forever? Yeah, when I was about 12. <laughs> <laughs> 12 years old, you know. I didn't, I didn't get much from school. I didn't think there was anything there that, that could really help me, you know. And you found music? Uh, yeah, th- thank God. You know, because all the hypocrisy and bullshit. She's the line. No, you can say whatever you want. And all the bullshit out there that, you know, especially <laughs> stuff they teach in school. You know, it's, just, it's baloney. So uh, music was more of a realistic view of my point to the path that I wanted to take. Yeah. You know. Do you feel like, um, are you good at handling success, both of you? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, you, you, gotta, you, can't, you have to be you. You can't, you can't live this uh, uh, rock star lifestyle and come off like you're better than anyone else or that, no, I'm not going to sign any autographs, I'm not taking any photos with you. If you have that attitude, then you're going to lose your fans and friends because those are the people that got you where you are. And it, it sounds cliche, but it's the truth. Yeah. You know? So uh, when you stop acting yourself, then you're going to you have problems. Yeah. But I think that was – would you say that that was sort of the, um, the underlying uh, thing that sort of built the community amount around, like, the Ramones? I mean, you guys are coming out of this era where there's, like, arena rock and the band is up there and yeah, you're yeah. fucking way back there. But right. then with you guys, you're in it. You're there down with people playing right, right there. Right, CBGB's, Max's Kansas City in New York in 74. We finally had a place to play. I mean, I was in another band at the time uh, with Richard Hell and the Voidoids, but anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, our competition was the stadium rock and all that stuff and disco, but uh, the camaraderie that we had with the bands that started punk, like Talking Heads, uh, Television, uh, the Ramones, obviously, Blondie, and the Heartbreakers, the Dolls, uh, it, it was a small community. So, uh, yeah, you, you were right about that stadium stuff. You know, we were a lot closer uh, to our fans in, in that environment. Well, so all those bands that you mentioned, was it interesting for you to see how everyone sort of sprouted off in kind of their own... Yeah, I mean, one was different. I mean, uh, the Ramones didn't sound like Blondie. Uh, uh, Blondie didn't sound like Talking Heads. But, uh, you know, we were all hoping that that one thing you know, the musical uh, combination of people would would advance, yeah. you know, because it was just only 250 to 300 people in CBGBs. So you wanted, you wanted to 
to be accepted in Europe, all over the world, you know, which it finally did. But I think when you, with all those bands that you mentioned, I think when people look back, they go, oh, yeah, the Ramones were punk, but I don't think most people now would go, oh, Blondie was, you know, a punk, or Talking Heads came out of the, you know, like that they, scene. They, yeah, they were different. They were more, uh, uh, the Talking Heads were more like a, uh, now they would be called, I guess what nerd rock or nerdy, <laughs> but, but good songs, very good songs. Yeah. I don't con- I don't consider them a, a punk band. No, that uh, Blondie is more of a '60s girl group influence kind of thing, you know, uh, with a sense of humor. So, uh, but they had they have great songs, and then they went disco, uh, which garnered them a lot of hits, some more power to them. But the Ramones, we stuck to our guns. Yeah. We didn't change. We didn't do them. We just stayed on that path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How are you? Are you? Well, obviously, if you're a motivational speaker, you must uh, you must be pretty good with success. Or do you struggle with it? Or is it? Well, I don't feel very successful yet. So uh, that was what I was asking Marky. Like, when did he realize this wasn't going to, his life was going to go down this path? It's all still very baffling to me that any of this has happened. And, and it's only been a few years where I've realized, wow, maybe this really is just not going to stop because there's been so much beyond my own self. I also like what Marky was saying. So many other people have given me these chances. So many opportunities were ones I could never have dreamed up or even set out to have for myself. So there do, there, there seems to be this outside influence, outside forces and outside people beyond yourself that are responsible for the, the life that you're getting to have. So I just feel like uh, the only way I'll ever be able to feel like it's a success maybe is, you know, at the very end right before you die or something. Like, well, okay, uh, I I did that. But I'm just more just really amazed. That's the feeling that happens the longer I've gotten to do this. Just really, really amazed that any of this has happened, let alone that it's continuing to happen. So, I mean, I I, I work harder each year because I feel more obligated to do so and, and... more uh, shocked that uh, I had another year to do anything. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and, and you know, and seeing people who are much more skilled, much more talented, or have all these other same things to offer, and why don't they have that same chance? So you just you just really take it less and less for granted. Which I really thought would be the opposite. I think I would get used to things and be like, oh yeah, this is just how it is. But it's more just shocking, almost embarrassing. Like why why does this work out this way? But uh, the only rational uh, way to deal with that is just to, to apply yourself even harder to it. Do you feel like if you were to ever say, like, oh, I think I've reached that thing, are you afraid to ever think that because then you wouldn't put in as much effort or you would get comfortable or do you feel yeah, like... maybe. I've seen people that, that seem to approach their work that way or their life in general where it's... I don't have any other interests is basically what the, the thing is. I, I see a lot of people who do have their their project or their work and whether it's being in a band or whether it's you know working in something in the creative arts they have their main interest which could be like their family which seems like a pretty good interest to have or uh you know their 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 hobbies even like certain things like golf and there's nothing wrong with any of this but i don't have any other interests there's nothing else that this is like funding for for me to do this is this is all it ever is uh and that, I think, is, is what keeps it um, from ever feeling like it's, it's getting older or, oh, yeah, I just wake up every day and do this thing. It's always uh, you know, unpredictable and, 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 and strange and, and very pleasurable. And all my hobbies and interests were this before. I used to have jobs to, to be able to do this. And once you're able to do this all the time, then 
life gets pretty strange in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> I think when you when you you uh, approach it where you just want success, it's not going to happen. You have to really hone your skills, and all that will will come. Yeah, a lot of people go, well, I want to make a lot of money, you know, but you really have to become great at what you do to achieve that. Right. You know, that comes first. You know, what you want to do, then the success of money comes later. And then, <clears throat> then the interesting question to ask people is, well, why do you want that? Right. And a lot of times they don't have an answer. They go, oh, I don't know, just so I don't have to worry about anything. Like, so I don't have to work. I don't know if that... Yeah, but then what? Right. But then you're exactly. still, you still got to do something, and then you're Definitely. still going to still have responsibilities. Yep. And a lot of times... Just as many more responsibilities. Yeah. So Where it's a commodity. You're a commodity. Yeah, and I think that um, I think that success, the idea of success or failure, is not for some reason. Maybe it's just the way that our brains have to process it. But I really don't think it's as black and white as like, oh, now you're this, or oh, you didn't. I mean, it's all a process. It's a long process. Exactly. And it's sort of like a a bit of a sine wave, and sometimes it's things are better, and sometimes there's a dip, and it's not really. It's a roller coaster. It is. Yeah. I, I think I think success is, and by the way, you definitely have it. But it's 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 if you're able to do the thing that you love, um, and you don't have to do shit that you hate to survive. I think that's, that's success. That's success. Yeah, that's, exactly. that's a good way to look at it. No you matter know, what you do. No matter no matter right. what you do. It, you know, like no matter how much money you make, no matter what this, as long as if you can be happy doing what you're doing, and you don't have to, you know. Obviously, there are going to be some times where you go, I don't really feel like doing this. But there, that's different. Than- it's a deeper feeling be, that will push you through those moments yes. where it's not as enjoyable or convenient. No, I, I, that is a great way to look at it, just that uh, if, when you can fully apply yourself to something, even actually doing the parts that maybe are painful or less than comfortable, there's a satisfaction in even having something to push up against like that, to, to have a reason to, to give everything you have that's like the best feeling of all, you know, even yeah. if it amounts to nothing other than that you just did that. Yeah. You know, you could run a, a marathon and no one knows that you ran it. But if you know that you gave everything you had to something and to really know that, because when I sing with Marky, I know at that end of the show, I could not have given any <laughs> more energy. You know what I mean? And that that is a, there's a pleasure and it's not a satisfying kind of contentment. It's like the sense of, wow, well, you know, if I had to die right now, I'll go out on, on this is a high note, even if it's just for me, just to know that, uh, that you had that chance to, to give yourself to something, you know. Well, and you also know that there are those shows where even if by the crowd's reaction, the show went well, but if you didn't do what you feel like you could have done, then you're like, oh, fuck. And that's what like, yeah. Oh, no, the show was great. No, I know, but I should have. That's I those funny band things. It's too. a war. It's a war. <laughs> it's a constant war. It's a war. You have to different be, perspectives. You always have to be, if there's only one person in the audience, you have to make believe it's 10,000. Yeah. You have to give it all you got because there's somebody else out there that will. Yeah. You know? So and also, you know, well, especially going back to the look, if there's, you know, 10 people there and not not that you guys have to worry about this anymore, but if there's only 10 people there, it's not their fault that a thousand people didn't show up. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Yeah, right. yeah I know. Why well, I say, well, we're not coming back or anymore. You know, yes. but it, you, you know, you can't you can't do that. You yeah. know, they they came to see you and you got to perform. Yeah. I you know? I just did a show like this the other day where <clears throat> For whatever reason, just I think the way it was advertised, there were only about ten people there, and it was in a big room. This wasn't with Marky; this was my own show, and it was you know I was disappointed and 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 felt 
you know, discouraged and, and a bit embarrassed, which I don't feel that ashamed by either because I really, you know, uh, you try to bolster yourself and feel very invincible, but you also have to be open enough to care that you're, you know, offering a good thing and that people want to see it. So it always can be kind of a bummer. But what I really realized at this show, and I played, the show was actually really great and we played really well. The people in that front row, the 10 people that were there, they don't see the empty room behind yeah. them. <laughs> All they see is the, the stage and the show is happening. So to them, there might as well be a thousand people behind them. I mean, maybe the cheering is a, a different volume level. But I, from my own experiences seeing shows, nothing else mattered except what was happening right then. And it, had, it, it might as well have been. You know the, the amount of impact that the show had on me. It was enough. I could have represented ten thousand people in my excitement for seeing the band that you know maybe was playing to just me that night. So always remember too, like you never know how it's going to go down. And for the people that are there, it, it could be the best show that they've ever seen. You know, and it do, and a lot of times it can be a really special experience. Like oh my god, I get to see. It's almost like they feel like it's a private, like a private show, private event. Yeah, right. it's a private <laughs> band for hire, personal yeah. private event. And that's where you can. Uh, yeah, I, I did a show once in Atlanta, and like there were like ten people there. This is a few years ago, and uh, and my first thought was like, well, like no one wants to come to see me. I can't ticket. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And maybe it's the wrong. You know, just go through that whole thing. Of course. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. And so uh, I put a chair up on stage, and I brought them up one by one, and basically just interviewed them for the as as the show. And you'll remember that show more than many others. Exactly. Probably, right? And, it, and you're like, it was really, it really was a special. And I'm so glad that 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 happened, so that we, you know, that we could have that experience. And so it was like just a really fun little community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was go. a lot of fun. And you didn't stop. I mean, that's the main thing. You, you, you want to have a variety, a, a texture. Uh, of flavors and experiences and, and, and moods and emotions and that's one of the great things about uh, this kind of work this creative work is you really get to explore all those different feelings this reminded me of another show that I'll never forget there was a show we played on the OzFest festival again it's my band years in 2002 where for whatever reason we actually had to go on stage before the doors even opened and this was around 9 a.m. in the morning. It's a you know outdoor festival. Great all day time long. for music. Wonderful. <laughs> and we it was in the in the gorge, you know, outside Seattle in, in Washington, which is a beautiful venue. You're playing in looks like you know the Grand Canyon, and literally you could see the people lined up, you know, <laughs> a mile away, standing at the gate that's closed. They're all tailgating with coffee. <laughs> we just you know, and they, it wasn't beautiful. their fault, but we still played. And I actually just ran around the field with the really long mic cable and just sort of used up as much space as I could. I think there was two people, literally, that were just actually working at the, the festival. They weren't even, uh, you know, ticket buyers. But I'll never forget, that was one of the more memorable shows of all time, just to play before the place is even open. Yeah. So. Well, it, all, it, all, it also comes down to, uh, like, sort of, uh, people get, um, well, you know, as performers, our egos are fragile sometimes, you know, because you put yourself out there a little bit, and you, yes. wanna, you still want to feel like, what you're doing, people are getting it or appreciating it. But I think you know everyone kind of has this pre-programmed mission statement in their head before they do something, and maybe they don't realize it. But I think as a performer, if your if your mission statement is like, I want to go out there so people will love me, 
That is a very dangerous mission statement to have. <laughs> As opposed to, hey, I want people to leave my show feeling better than when they got it. I want people to have fun. They were entertained. Exactly. Then it doesn't fucking matter how many people are there. there you go. And and then it and then any situation, no matter what, you can turn into something positive if that's if that's kind of your if that's kind of your mission. It's a strange dichotomy, like you mentioned with ego, because uh, it's simultaneously this feeling of being on top of the world and you're on the stage and there's spotlight and the people are here and they're excited to see you and excited about what you're doing. So you have this big rush of, of confidence and then it's also the most vulnerable, humiliating, you know, devastating, potentially uh, heart-wrenching experience to put yourself in front of anybody. You know, to, to, to offer anyone anything is very vulnerable. So it's that push and pull of feeling on top of the world and just feeling also completely just like the worst you know very very intense uh, frightening feelings but you know I, I'm definitely drawn to that intensity because it's going to be intense no matter what it's either going to be intensely you know great or intensely scary or in, intensely depressing or intensely uh, you know uplifting I, I don't want a boring life so you might as well have you know an intense life and the courage to uh, appreciate it and all this will be on display at the Henry Fonda Theater <laughs> there you go. Oh my God. the man Wow. Uh, Tuesday. Mm. Come one, come all. <laughs> um, so uh, on the flip side of that, when we're talking about like, oh, only 10 people show up. So as a, as a punk band, it, was it ever odd when like shit tons of people started showing up? Okay, good question. I just did Rock and Rio uh, uh, two or three weeks ago. 250,000 people. Jesus Watching. So uh, it, it's definitely different confronting that compared to a club. You know, it's not as intimate. And I am so happy to be back playing five, six, seven hundred people a night uh, in in the uh, venues that we chose. And I mean, I have nothing against these huge festivals and these outdoor things, but I understand why a lot of uh, musicians like to to be in a smaller place again. Because you learn from each capacity, you know, how to, uh, you know, it's a, it's a learning process. It, it never ends. Yeah. How you uh, perform in, in front of different kinds of uh, masses. Yeah. You know, so that, that was pretty unusual. I couldn't even see the end of the crowd. Oof. I guess, I guess, I mean, that's probably a little more acceptable for, for music, but with, uh, I mean, if, if you have a massive crowd, but it's sort of funny with... Um, I, don't, I have to relate everything back to comedy, and I apologize, but that's okay. just what I know. Um, it's that, a mad, mad world. <laughs> but there's there's a point where, you know, because there's a lot of co- – some comics will do, like, Madison Square Garden or whatever. And there are not many people can do it, but some right, do. Right. And I'm sort of like, why would you – I mean, I'm sure you get paid a lot of money, but why wouldn't you do more shows in a smaller venue? Because it Beacon needs, Theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it, it just needs to be – you know, I feel like when you start getting above a 1,000 people – then it's uh, then it's not really about the show anymore because it's people can get distracted it's an and event. if they're not yeah then it's an event and it, and it's not you know and then you can't really connect with people as much yeah I mean uh, I noticed that too uh, especially in rock and roll Lollapalooza all those things you know you could be playing. And then there's a guy uh, walking around with a newspaper and a cup of coffee, talking to the phone. So <laughs> not, a lot of the time, they're not really there to listen to the music. They're there to might maybe pick up a girl, a girl's there yeah. to pick up a guy. So it's like a, it's like a small city yeah. of, of what they're doing, like what everyone else does, you know? 
Yeah. So uh, every venue is different. What's your favorite venue? Like, if you can say, do you have like a favorite venue? Uh, well, New York was it was always always great. It is always great to play. Uh, Tokyo. I'm naming cities now. Yeah. uh, uh, South America, Argentina, Brazil. uh, Really cool. Uh, Athens, Barcelona, Spain. Uh, China was unbelievable. Beijing, and it's just unbelievable. It's so westernized now. It's just uh, it just comes out of the woodwork. It's crazy. Uh, again, Russia. Wow. Whole new whole new ball game there now. You know. So uh, it, it's different everywhere, really. You since know? since you've been around the world a bunch of times now with music, like, do you still get excited when you're going to a city, and do you oh, yeah. try to make it in the schedule so you have time to at least yeah. enjoy it? Yeah, you uh, you you see these things as a young teenager in postcards. Yeah. You go, oh, I like to go there, or you on TV, you see a movie, uh, you know, a uh, spy film. A guy a guy's in Zurich, or he's in uh, you know London. Go, boy, I'd love to go there, see Big Ben and everything else, you know, the Thames and all that stuff, you know. So, uh, yeah, that was one of the reasons, too, because I really wanted to travel a lot and just see places. Can I also just say that as a young, like, I'm sure young young people are like, yeah, man, fucking rock and roll, you to sleep all day and you fucking get fucked up on it. You guys are both in really good shape. You, know? <laughs> you have to, you have, you would have to be in decent shape to maintain the shows and the lifestyle yeah. that 35 just, songs even just a Ramones like set is just it's non-stop <laughs> that is non-stop it's that uh, is, very athletic yeah. yeah it's that style of music there's all different kinds um, I mean you can you can play mellow music and you'll have a m- mellower physique I guess <laughs> if, you, if you're gonna if you're gonna get you know if you're gonna stay in bed all day and uh, whatever uh, you're not gonna be able to do this because you have to be in good shape. You have to tour. You got to fly. You got to go to hotels. You got to do interviews. You got to do the show. So uh, there, there is ultimately stress levels that you have to deal with, but it's how you deal with them. Yeah. You know? yeah. And have you gotten better at that over the years, do you think? Yeah, yeah. I remember the first time, I mean, I had been in bands and, and, and played shows since, you know, I guess elementary school and things like that. It was always just what we would do for fun music and record but actually going on tour um as the andrew wk for the first time we played in uh in england and i remember after the very first show we played it was actually a very mild tour in terms of the schedule it was very comfortable uh we were on a bus and we only had played two shows and we have a day off or sometimes two days off i couldn't imagine doing another show at all after that first one, <laughs> let alone that we had to do it again the next night. Yeah. I was completely overwhelmed. Um, but then, yeah, you build up a, a level of, of uh, it's almost like a reserve strength, but also just the adrenaline. And what happens is now to, it's harder to stop than it is to keep going. It takes more energy to come down from this way of life than it is to even maintain now because the, the, you have to have this constant adrenaline level like Marky said, just to even go through the traveling, let alone performing. And once it's on, you get hooked, and you don't want it to stop. You don't want to come down from it. No, you really have to learn how to be like a master economist with your energy mm-hmm. and figuring out how to manipulate. Because, you know, like it's, it's easy to see why people go get super fucked up after shows because you're, you're just like this. They want know? to come down. Yeah, they want to yeah, come down, so or they, they want just to want down. to feel... It's just, it's just having to... 
deal with that. It's a very weird thing to do. Performing is a very strange... It's a weird anomaly in our culture. It's a strange thing to do, and it's a... And I don't, you know, I'm sure people think, oh, you go on stage and then have, and then that's it. You're like, you still got to deal with that shit. You <laughs> yeah, have yeah. to process that experience. That's Your brain's got to... Very overwhelming. Yeah. Very emotional. And it's strange. You'll feel very sad. Isn't no that reason. weird? Yeah. Isn't that weird? Even after the biggest, I, I always after the biggest best shows when I would feel the most, it's not even sad. Like my mood is sad. It's, you know what I think it is? And I think this is a very important way to think about depression in general. Not for everybody, but in a lot of cases, all depression is is your soul trying to absorb the actual physical experience that you just went through. And it's trying to muster up the strength and space inside your own brain, basically, to say this life experience just happened. And I think it's just it's what we would call a come down or whatever. It's the only way your body can process the life as you're living it. And I used to get really upset and freaked out when that feeling would come and almost feel guilty. Like, why am I feeling down or depressed or sad? I have no right to feel this way. Now I just don't take it seriously because I know it's just my body. It's like trying to digest life. Yeah, you know, and and apply it so you can absorb it into your your actual being. That's really smart. When you when you can recognize that your body and your brain have patterns, and you go, "Oh, that's just that thing." Exactly. Then you feel a little like, "Ah, oh, that's just the thing I go through." Exactly. But I I have always thought that um, not in the cases of chemical depression, but just in the cases of like, "Oh, I'm I feel sad or depressed." I've always sort of looked at depression as like um, excitement without an outlet. It's sort of like excitement that's trapped. And you can't express it, so it just sort of flips over, mm. and then and then it sort of flips over to the negative of like, oh, I don't, I wanted to be able to do this thing, and now I can't, and I feel empty and weird, and it's like you, you it's just, just weird. That's what it is. It's a very bizarre yeah. physical sensation. It's and it's that's what it's, it's less of a mood. It feels more like a physical feeling. Yeah. Uh, and again, like I'm someone who have had all different kinds of moods, and so I've always sought out things that made me feel cheered up. Uh, and assume that that's why most other people were doing them. Uh, you know, even if you listen to, to angry music, it still feels good, or music that's about what we might call negative things, it's still uplifting. So you just want to be around that and, and, and uh, saturate yourself with, uh, you know, cheerful, cheerful stuff. <laughs> it's also, uh, if, you're a, if you're someone who's hyper-aware of yourself and things, then uh, you can also have that experience where... You, so you're doing something that you always dreamed of, and in your head you're going, "Is it? it? Is this it? Is it happening right now? What am I supposed to be feeling? Should I be happier? Should I be yeah. sad? What am I supposed to be?" It's like you you get so hyper aware of the situation that I find that a lot of the things I sort of have to go back and retro and basically retroactively go, "Oh, that really was an amazing experience." Because at the time you're just not you don't yeah. know what the fuck you're supposed to be doing or exactly. thinking. You just do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> And now we have doctors dispensing <laughs> all these pills for these depressions, you know. So, yeah. which uh, which I'm totally against. Um, you know, it's up to the individual. But it's funny, you know. When I was young, a doctor would say, uh, "This is what you need." Now, uh, a lot of people going, "This is what I want." Mm. Oh, that's a good point. And the doctor goes, "Okay, you can have it." Uh, you know, well, I definitely think you know there are definitely some people who are are, are helped by definitely medication yep. and stabilizing, and like people who really are chemically who do have imbalances in the brain. But I think most people, um, it's an easy out. It, it is sort of an easy like. It's oh, like, I should just yeah. take that. It's like I stub my toe. I, I'll take uh, three Xanax. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds good. You know what I mean? I like this, this logic. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying it's like you know, come on. 
Or again, just yeah. that we don't have to get too caught up. Like what we think of as not feeling good, maybe that's not even that bad. Maybe these, certain, these, these kinds of moods, whatever expectations, that's what I changed in my own brain over the years. I, didn't, I don't really feel differently uh, or better more of the time. I just feel better about not feeling that great certain times and just understand that's part of the, the process. Yeah. And to appreciate the whole thing. Being alive is a positive experience by its very nature. You know what I mean? You're in the red or is it the in the black you're in the black you're in the black because you're existing you know so with that with that why not again savor the whole range of flavors yeah Uh, even the ones that maybe are a bit bitter or a bit you know scary or whatever i don't want to have a a one-dimensional life or just feel the same way all the time you want to feel fully alive you know and as humans we can have all these different feelings and have the ability like you're saying to be aware of them and appreciate them well it's easy to forget that when you're feeling and when you're feeling negatively you know you you kind of your brain is very uh, it's very narrow like you forget oh this will pass like (laughs) it's not I've drama I've felt this before and it's been okay you know ultimately it's like your first girlfriend yes you know what I mean (laughs) your best friend takes her away from you you know the other girls yeah but then you then you have to realize well later in life you realize it wasn't that important Mm mm-hmm but it it did pass. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's just uh, that's just our, our baby brains. Like, that's right. what are these things called feelings <laughs> and emotions? Exactly. And it was all valuable. I mean, that, appreciating even bad relationships, there was some value there. Even the time, you know, there's always some good time, even in the worst. Like any bad friendship or you know business problems or, or stress. And I've been dealing with things, you know, constantly like anyone else where it's very hard to see the, uh, the silver lining, but even the worst experience has something to offer. Or how many yeah. times have you gone through something and you go, oh, this is, fu- oh, I can't believe this is the worst. And then, you know, a year later you go, holy shit, if I didn't have that experience, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be where I, you know, I wouldn't have had this. So, you, you know, you look back and you go... It sucks that I went through that, but it was kind of a weird gift. It was the path. Yeah, it, it was, was the, the road, path. you know? Yeah. There's ups and downs on the roller coaster, but once you're locked in, the ride's going to take you where it's supposed to go. And as long as, as, long as you kind of say to yourself, like, well, the path doesn't have an end point, that it's just, you just continue along the path, you know, as forever, then, uh, then I think that, to me, is kind of comforting, because it doesn't feel like, oh, there's a... Some point I have to get to. It's just no. It's just a series of little checkpoints, and then but you keep going, and, and you get cooler and cooler as you. You go. hope so. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 that, and that leads to the Henry Fonda theater. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and bringing it back all around. Unfortunately, this podcast does have an endpoint, and we've just about reached it. Yeah, we're almost wow. at an hour. Well, so nice I talking to you I guys. So see, you, you, see, well, when you've done this, when you've done as many of these as you have, you do have this internal sort of uh, yes. Yeah, that, 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 that's very good. It was very in depth. It was good, talk, you know, talking about all this. Oh, it's been really, you know? it's, it's really, it's really great. And then seeing the two of you guys, you know, together and sort of, you know, where you are in your careers, but coming together to, you know, to make this this familiar but new thing at the same time. It's kind of, it's cool. It's really it's, cool. Uh, Thank it's you. It, it's working. Um, I want to kind of, I want to end this with. Uh, I was I was reading about you on the internet last night, Andrew, and you, you the list of your band names is one of my favorite things. Oh wow! I've wow. seen. Uh, and, 
thought you were going to bring up the internet rumors that there are many different Andrew WKs. <laughs> what? Is that a rumor? Yes. Have you ever heard That's of that? That's the only way I was able to form all these different bands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right now there's another Andrew WK doing WTF again, and then another, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> another Andrew WK. Yeah. You know, that's the great thing about uh, bands is coming up with a name. It's the hardest thing, but also one of the most fun things. So this is probably, you know, the, the total about 20, 25 different people just rotating but these Almost are... for the sake of coming up with a new band name. I mean, sometimes that would be just the very reason to... But is that done on purpose to dilute? <laughs> what, the quality? Dilute who we are? Or is yeah. it... All the band names? No, no, your name or my oh. name or anyone's name, you know. And so it's an index. It's a, it's a way to, know, to locate someone on the map. Like, you know, yeah. 20 names that are the same. Like, say, Marky Ramon times 20. And there's only one. I mean, is, is it there purposely to dilute... Who you are, or is it just, what is it? I agree with you. I think, I think it's an experiential index where you look at a thing and you go, oh, that is that thing that feels like this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's always yeah. ways to get, get there, and here's another, another hopeful, another, another path. But I really, do, I really do like these names. I mean, like, each one of them I like, and they're all, they all have totally different vibes. There's Slam, Reverse Polarity, Lab Lobotomy, The Pterodactyls, Music Band... <laughs> Nope, nope. I played drums in that for a short Mr. time. Mr. Velocity Hopkins. No, that's a that's an actual gentleman. That's a that's an a, 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 so that was a, a band that he formed, but his name was Mr. Velocity Hopkins. So I can't take credit for that one. Uh, Cathode, the Portly Boys, Kangoo, the Beast People, Stormy Rodent, a later iteration of Scheme. Stormy Rodent. Stormy Rodent. <laughs> the Malt Liquors, Isis and the Werewolves, and Sucking Coeds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of the, those names I made up, and many of them Wonderful. I didn't. So I was just fortunate enough to be around, uh, you know, these very creative people, and they showed me that uh, you can make up a great band name. And eventually, you were just like, I guess it'll just be my name. Well, that is true. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, you had someone to say, "What's in a name?" What's yeah. in a name? But it is—it is sort of funny. That's like, and and I think that right there, and I think this is a good place to to, to stick the landing, is that. Uh, that is, a, that is a very interesting meta-metaphor for life of where, you know, you're searching all around for the perfect thing, and then in the end you find out it's you. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's like you find out, you search everywhere, outside, and then you're like, oh, maybe I'm the thing. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I should find myself. Yeah, I changed my name. I had to when I joined the Ramones. Yeah, that's sort of part of that. It was Mark Bell. That's my real name. Then we were tossing around names. And uh, we came up with Marky Ramon because of a uh, serial character from the 60s named Marky Mapo, uh, <laughs> which was a popular serial along with Farina and Wetina. And he was, the, uh, he was the main spokesman, this little cowboy cartoon kid. So, uh, and my grandmother used to call me Marky, so that's how I got that, you know. Oh, wow. so, so who knows where his band's yeah. members got the names from. You know, well, not a serial kid. That's a fucking great story. <laughs> it's, it's some, and, and you know, I bought the doll on eBay. Oh, wow. yeah, you have it sits it? there staring at me with Marky on his cowboy hat. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I think of my grandmother when I see that, and I go, oh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> wow. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, she didn't particularly like the loud bashing of the drumming. <laughs> yeah, it's so, not. No, it's not grandma music. Talking, you know, uh, pretty heavy negativity there. But anyway, <laughs> you know, I overcame that. So, you know. and then of course in the in the in the late eighties with Marky Mark, you're like, you son of a bitch. Ah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who came first? You know, <laughs> the, the egg or the chicken? <laughs> <laughs> or or the cereal? Boss or whatever. Cereal, definitely. 
the well, cereal came first. Thank you so much for being here. So uh, your show is actually this, this is going up. To, what's the date tomorrow? Is the fifteenth? Uh, yeah. Okay, so this is going up the fifteenth. So the show is Tuesday the fifteenth at the at the, at the Fonda Theater uh, here in Los Angeles, and uh, really wonderful chatting with you guys. I didn't, you know, we never know which direction these chats are going to go in, but uh, I absolutely was delighted. Could go on for another hour. Or two. We could, yeah. um, yeah. but uh, we're going to release you back into the line. <laughs> yeah. We're going to go to Canthas and have some chop lova. Oh, there nice. <laughs> cool. Cherry phosphate. Yeah, Good no, to yeah. see you guys. Yeah. Thank you very much. Enjoy yeah, your thanks. burrito. Thank you. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Nancy's love story could have been ripped right out of the pages of one of her own novels. She was a romance mystery writer who happens to be married to a chef. But... This story didn't end with a happily ever after. When I stepped into the kitchen, I could see that Chef Brophy was on the ground, and I heard somebody say, call 911. As writers, we'd written our share of murder mysteries. So when suspicion turned to Dan's wife, Nancy, we weren't that surprised. The first person they look at would be the spouse. We understand that's usually the way they do it. But we began to wonder... Had Nancy gotten so wrapped up in her own novels... There are murders in all of the books. ...that she was playing them out in real life? You can listen to Happily Never After, Dan and Nancy, early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.